really awesome. Yeah, somebody just wrote a great song. Um, Becky McKay just wrote that. And two dear, lovely friends of mine from Chatham, Paul and Debbie, good morning to you guys. Wow. Um, I'm going to go back for a second to the lyrics of that one song. Uh, this wording, and I confess you're always enough for me, um, the way it's phrased here may help us understand the word confess better. Um, I know that there's a scripture that says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But there's a problem with that translation. <laughs> it just is. And it's been argued about for a long time. But the word confess literally means to agree with, to say the same thing as. And so I confess you're enough for me. I agree with you. You're enough for me, Lord. And so when we confess even our sin, I agree with you, Lord. I'm forgiven. There's an agreement that is declared. It's a totally different lens of how to pray and how to view who God is. So I just thought that was, that was really cool, just the way it was phrased. Sorry, I loved it. All right, Jesse, good morning. All right, a more beautiful faith, unlearning, revisiting, questioning, and growing. And today we're going to talk about misconceptions about God and ourselves. And uh, I definitely will not get it all done today, but I'll get done what I, what I think is going to be encouraging. So um, I know the last number of weeks has been a kind of a deep dive into a whole bunch of topics. And I'm going to confess to you I will not cover every topic. I can't. It's just too much, too long. But I'm going to address them as I sense they need to be addressed. And where my comfort level is to be able to clearly communicate. Because uh, I remember when I talked about end times. Man, that was in 2013. It was the scariest Sunday in my time at Hope Fellowship to me, emotionally. Because um, I was sharing something that went against the grain of everything I grew up with. <laughs> and, and I said that, I'm trembling right now. Um, because, but, but also, I couldn't share it if I didn't wrestle with it and come to a conclusion. So anytime I share something, I'm, I'm not repeating somebody else's meme just because it's cool, unless it's cool. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> I'm not going to say something or declare a belief and say it's something I believe if I don't believe it. You know me well enough by now, I don't do fake very well. So everything that I share with you, I've wrestled with or I struggle with or I will say so in my conversation with you and say, look, I'm still trying to sort this out. But I'm also not going to not teach it because I'm still trying to sort it out. Because everybody else is trying to sort it out too. So it gives the permission to not have it all figured out. Does that make sense? Uh, don't answer that. Okay. All right. We're going to begin with a uh, devotional from Henry Nouwen that came in the other day. I thought, this is good. It's called Claim Your Truth. It seems crucial that you realize deeply that your worth and value does not depend on anyone else. You have to claim your own inner truth. You are a person worth being loved and called to give love. I love that. Not because anyone says so, but because 
You are created out of love and live in the embrace of a God who didn't hesitate to send his only son to die for us. Your being good and worthy of love does not depend on any human being. (laughs) You have to keep saying it to yourself. I am being loved by an unconditional, unlimited love, and that love allows me to be a free person. You don't need to, okay, I won't say it, nope. Center, (laughs) back up, sorry. Woo, distraction. I'm being loved by an unconditional, unlimited love that allows me to be a free person, center of my own actions and decision. Interesting. The more you can come to realize this, the more you'll be able to forgive those who have hurt you and love them in their brokenness. Ooh, without a deep feeling of self-respect, you cannot forgive and will always feel anger, resentment, and revenge. The greatest human act is forgiveness. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. So we just finished doing a, an entire conference on forgiveness. And uh, this fits in with the journey of it. It's not the conclusion. This is the journey description. Because I think what I got out of the conference was our Forgiveness is probably an overthought topic for those that are growing into a deep understanding of God's love, which is what we just finished talking about, love. Forgiveness, as I grew up with, is something we must do. It becomes a duty. It's a rule. It's a checkmark box on relationships. It's, it's, it's in our face, and then you're made to feel horribly guilty when you can't because we're overthinking it. When instead, as we dissolve that for a moment and realize we have been created in forgiveness as forgivers, that's our DNA. It's very different than having a to-do list. The to-do list has value still because not everybody can arrive at that conclusion rapidly. That's why kids go to school. We don't teach them trigonometry in grade two. Right? They're still dealing with a plus, minus, maybe times. <laughs> right? So you can't teach some of the deeper stuff. Oh, that's the whole journey of child, young man, adult. Child, young man, adult. The, remember from First John? There, there's room for all that. So we have to be aware of that lens. And I thought that was a great um, start for what I want to deal with. Forgiveness stands in the center of God's love for us and also in the center of our love for each other. Loving one another means forgiving one another over and over and over again. Gulp. The arguments that I have heard, and the reason most believers have trouble with this, is because they think forgiveness is conditional on your prayer. That wasn't part of my topic today, but I'm catching that there are people that are thinking that. Your forgiveness is not dependent on you saying a prayer, dear God, please forgive me. It's already done. It's complete. And when you believe it, it changes everything. If you think it's still conditional that you have some control, some power by saying the right incantation to make God do something, then you have missed it completely. This is a big, big revelation. Let's get into this God we say we believe in. (laughs) 
Colossians 2, 9 to 10 says from the New Living Translation, you, so you also are complete through your union with Christ. We're laying a foundation here. You are complete through your union with Christ. The NASB, New American Standard Bible says, and in him you have been made complete. A finished act. Not something to hope for, pray for, discipleship yourself into, practice, uh, do the 12 steps, and then you're complete. No, you're complete now. It's your mind that needs renewal. It's your mind that needs to experience the salvation. Not you. I love the Passion Translation for this. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Are you starting to see the importance of laying a really blunt foundation? To me, these are like clobber verses of good news. <laughs> Clobbering for good. It's, anyway, you know what I mean. These are like billboard signs, bright lights. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, this is true. It gets better. First Peter 1, 3, the New Living Translation says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. But let's see what another translation says. This is the ESV version. I haven't used this one lately. So we're going to use a bit of that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has manipulated you to be born. Nope. Caused, oh my goodness, this has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I will address the salvation theme, though, on that list. I think it's a really important one. What is it? What does saved mean? Okay. I think there's some huge misunderstandings on that one. And uh, it's taken years to sort through that. And uh, I think there's a more hope-filled perspective. So this is from the ESV. Ephesians 1.3 in the ESV says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed, past tense, us in Christ with every, oh, some? Some people think that says some, but it's really translated every. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. So, so far, we have somebody who loves us unconditionally, and it's declaring we have been blessed. How many people... Pray for more blessings. More, Jesus, please give me more. Sounds like a little kid wanting more candy, but you have all the candy. So another Ephesians 1, 3 from the ESV, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's the more traditional lens. Now the First Nations version says it like this. All blessings belong to the great spirit who is the father of creator, sets free, Jesus. From the spirit world above, he has gifted us with all spiritual blessings found in the chosen one. 
Do you see any lack in these verses so far? Is there anything missing, or do you, are you catching the word all? I hope you're, hope you're seeing that. I'm not making this up. You can look it up in your own translations, and you can cross-check with other translations, and they're going to kind of say the same thing. So you can't hide from this one. Ephesians 1, 2, I'm gonna, uh, 2 to 10, 1, 2 to 10. I'm going to read the whole thing because this is wrapping it up in a beautiful language that if you haven't heard it so gently and so beautiful, then please listen carefully. May God himself, the heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. That's a great start. A lot of people need that right now, like yesterday. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. This is, this is a big deal because he sees us wrapped into Christ. Now, I'm going to try and be careful with my wording here so it's, um, it's, it's PG friendly. But uh, a friend of mine was sharing the other day that some people see themselves as snow-covered dung or horse manure. You know, that we're really manure, but it's snow. The, the, the forgiveness of Christ is on top. Okay, so there's, there's that perspective. And then he, then he said, but maybe we're a diamond covered in dung. <laughs> which, one, which one has the better perspective? Okay, there, it's, it sounds cheeky, because it is. Your true identity is the diamond. We got stuff all around us, we get splashed on. I, I was driving the other day with Lori, and we're driving down this stormy night, and suddenly a, a truck came past us, but there was a really good thick slush in the middle of the road, and whoosh, we got splashed on. Now i got to wash the car again. But it was like a, a windshield covered everything. Or have you walked down the road, and somebody saw a puddle right where you're about to walk in, <laughs> and you got a shower you didn't want. People spill onto us. They spill their garbage onto us. They spill their stress, their grief, their anger. They spill and splash and don't realize all the people they're bleeding and splashing on from their own hurts. We get stuff on us, but the real us has been given everything we need because how God sees us is how I want to perceive how God sees us. I don't want to have Dave's uh, perspective, his human lens of how God may see me and only listen to Dave's opinion, although he's got a great opinion now. But some people may say, oh, you're, you're, you're this, you're just that. I, I, it says here, Jesus sees us, or God sees us wrapped up into Christ. If you're worried about how God sees you, this is what you need to memorize. This is the truth. Everything else has been splashed onto you and is not, not true and probably needs to be cleaned off. You're not a piece of dung covered by white snow. You're a diamond who gets splashed on and gets dirty, and that, that's the part that needs cleansing. Not you, the real you. 
The spirit oneness of Christ, you. Your union with Christ, you. That's the real you. (laughs) I hope you knew that. It continues. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundations of the universe. When did this happen? (laughs) A long time ago. He didn't pull our name out of a hat. That's not how he chose. Okay. Oh, I got lucky. Yay, my name got pulled. It's a raffle. No, you weren't a raffle. You're beloved. And it happened before the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, which means we don't fully understand his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained Innocence. Oh my goodness. How much energy have we put into trying to become innocent and trying to become holy? I read a book growing up uh, my first summer at, at camp as a staff. I was at Circle Square Ranch. And at the time, I, listen, I was hungry to know Jesus. I went up there ready. I know it was a weird thing for a teenager to want that, but I did. I authentically did. And I read this book called The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. And to me, I loved it because it gave me the to-do list. I didn't know that. But I loved the concept of it. If I re- read, when I reread it years later, I thought, wow, uh, that's, that, was, that was part of my pathway to discovering I already am holy. Well, that sucks because I was told I wasn't. Who said that? Who planted or splashed bull onto us to say we weren't holy? That's got to get cleaned off, deconstructed. (laughs) Because here we've been told we are holy. And we have an unstained innocence. I like how Francois Dutoy keeps using that phraseology of our, our original innocence. I forget what the phrase is exactly, but unbelievable. Let's keep going. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. See, some people think they're the annoying one. God's just putting up with me. <laughs> no, he's not. God is delighted in you, in awe of you. And the reason people won't believe this is because they don't even like themselves right now. Remember the Henry Nouwen comment? Until we see ourselves through that lens of love, we can't see God or others in that way. You want to deconstruct? You want to grow in your faith? Discover who God really is. Hmm. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Christ, not the stuff you do. You became a child through the union, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. There's a bit of a repetition here about the incredible, far-reaching, great love, great love, great love, huge love, There's a pattern here. And if it's being repeated this often, it's because it's needing to sink in. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Oh my goodness, that verse was never in any Sunday school memorization lesson. Ever. 
The same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. If only we could know that you and I are loved just as much as equal to Jesus. Oh boy. Because we say, well, God wouldn't do that to Jesus. But he'll do it to me because I have this list of things that I am, you know, I'm faulty. I've got faulty issues. No. This is laying the foundation. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. It's almost like God is giddy. You can't say that in church. Yes, I can. God created humor. And there's a lot of it in the scripture. And I, I'm just looking at Dave. He clearly created humor. You know, he, he, but his team did make it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Sorry, I threw it in. I got, I got Super Bowl in there. There we go. <laughs> oh my goodness. But this is about bringing great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, do you realize most people don't see the sense? Since we are joined to Christ, that means you are, okay? Should be obvious. We have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins. Oh my goodness, do you know how much that gift is right there? I'd like you to find an accountant and do a tally and see how much that's worth. <laughs> no chance. The total cancellation of our sins. All because I said the prayer correctly in the right denomination. Oh, sorry, it doesn't say that. All because of cascading riches of his grace. This removes people, teachers, churches, denominations, all of it. Brings us back to the center, Jesus only. That's big. Wish I had my hat. This is big. <laughs> this superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. If you're not finding encouragement in just this text alone, you need to rewind and go back and re-listen because you're looking at a squirrel at the window. This is pure grace. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us. And as Russ mentioned earlier, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. What's, what's the big plan? What's the big secret plan? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh my goodness, you can almost turn into a Pentecostal right now. We're charismatic, but we won't do that. <laughs> Just kidding. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax. When God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Rob Bell wrote a book, and the title of it sums this up, Love Wins. It just does. God is 
love. God wins. We have more faith in the power of negativity and sin. We have more faith in people's strong opinions than we do in the finished, declared projection of God's work that he's doing and has already done and has already completed. I'm afraid that the Western church worships Satan more than Jesus, and they don't even know it. Because, ooh, Satan's so powerful. Be careful, because he can distract you. Ooh, be careful. And they, they, they focus on all the be carefuls when, imagine drinking this for breakfast every morning. Like, seriously, this is a really yummy smoothie with everything you need, all the ingredients. This, if, let me suggest, if you want some direction, a suggestion, because I don't give homework, go back and read, oops, Ephesians 1. Just read it this week, every day. Just read it a couple times, just meditate on this. Something's going to happen to you up here. I promise. Ephesians 1, 16, a little later in the ESV says, I do not cease giving thanks for you, uh, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation <clears throat> in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, not endarkened, enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? And this is in a translation we don't use often. It's all there. This is about the revelation of Christ, him giving us this good news and revelation. You can't muster it up. It gets inspired from within. If I share something that you feel is true, it's not true because I said it. It was true long before I said it, and your spirit, aligned with Christ, agrees. Yes, that's true. In the same way, sometimes I think things are wrong. It's like, that ain't right. And I don't know, I may not be able to explain it. But something doesn't sit right, so now i got to wrestle with it until I find out why. And sometimes I can't find out why. And that's okay. I'm going to trust this and wait for the Holy Spirit to bring revelation. That's why that topic of end times for me was sitting on the back burner. I had two big topics uh, almost 10 years ago that I just would not touch. I wouldn't touch hell, and I wouldn't touch end times. And then... By a blind side of somebody who's really awesome, I was forced to sit down and listen to a teacher because I was a hostage in this person's home, actually a guest, a beautiful home at that. And I was presented a lens of end times that my heart had been exposed to already. It's been sitting there and suddenly gave it life. It was like a seed that had dried and somebody poured fresh, beautiful water on it. And suddenly I could then address it and study I couldn't create the passion. It came to me. Later on the topic of hell, same thing. There's a more hope-filled perspective. Okay, now I'm ready. So don't rush into something that you're not ready to get into. 
Don't help the Holy Spirit out. The Holy Spirit doesn't need any help. But if the Holy Spirit or Jesus plants that desire into you to expand and explore, go for it. Run hard. This, to me, is absolutely beautiful. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. Okay, this word immeasurable, anybody know what that means? <laughs> Duh! You can't measure it. Pardon? What's that? Yeah, it breaks the scale. You can't measure it. It's too big, too great, too wide, too high. So when somebody comes to you and says, this is the love of God, this is the doctrine of this and this, and these are, and these are the boxes you can't add or delete, run hard. If God has given us everything we need, does he then bless us in the physical world too? <laughs> yes, of course. But our understanding begins with a revelation of his kingdom and his righteousness, not a focus on our lack, but rather of our provision. And today, we talked about the provision of what we already have. Because if, you're, if you don't know all that you have, you're going to feel like you're missing something and then try to find what you're missing, but you already got it. It's like trying to enter a room you're already in. Try that. It doesn't work. And most people look at what they don't have or think they don't have. And some of the things we think we don't have are material things. What is it you think you need? Really, really, be honest. Is it wisdom? Oh, good news. Jesus is your wisdom. Do you need righteousness? You're already righteous. You can't gain righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ in you that makes you righteous, your union. You're just as righteous as Jesus. <gasps> Did I just say that? Yep. Same with holiness. You're just as holy as Jesus. Holy smokes. Yeah, that too in the Old Testament. Guidance. Do you need guidance? Living in you is guidance. Strength, not just physical, but internal, mental. You have it already. Patience. Listen, our ego patience is awful. I've seen some of you drive. And some of you have seen me drive. It's terrible. <laughs> patience. But the patience of Christ is in us. I now pray, Lord, may your patience in me come out in this situation. I've stopped asking for more patience because it's never worked. <laughs> or it's been a really manageable supply, which clearly wasn't from Christ. Whatever it is that you need, he is it and knows every other wish and need that you have and meets those needs without you even asking. What if? What if? What if God is nothing like I've imagined him to be or you've imagined him to be? That's a good question. And my lens has changed. It's getting pretty good. But even for me, what if? It's nothing like I've already imagined. And it's pretty good stuff so far. What if the God you've been told about is so much bigger, so much more accepting, so much more loving, and so much less judgmental than you ever thought? What would that do to you? Can you see the hope? Can you see the potential? 
Most people who walk away from God, it should be a small g, don't walk away from the God of true love. Instead, they walk away from a small g God that you and I would walk away from too. And I see this in funerals all the time. People are ticked off with the church and they assume that God is like the church. God is nothing like the church. He's got his people in the church. But he's not, he's not the system. And when you start to find out why people have left their faith, so to speak, or walked away from God, or it's not the real God. Everyone lives their lives based on their concept of who they think God is. Everyone. If you don't think he exists, you live like it. If you think he's really ticked off and you got to tiptoe around him, you'll live like it. If you believe he is full agape and indwelling in you, when you believe it, you'll live like it. One of the most important things I think we must do if we're going to discover who God really is, is admit and consider we may not be completely right. Oh, that requires humility. If we can admit that, then we'll be teachable and let the Holy Spirit reveal a more beautiful revelation of who God really is and then unlearn the faulty misunderstandings. Maybe we don't know our lens is smudged or dirty after all. This may be what, all that we've known. It's like this morning. If I take my glasses off, oh my goodness, they're, they're dirty. I didn't realize that because it's so close. I can't tell. If you're ever in a workshop and somebody's doing woodwork, Dave, you work in one, you don't realize the, the fine dust that builds up after an hour and suddenly you realize, oh, I can't see clear. Wipe it clean. Whoa, I can see clear. Or a child getting glasses for the first time. What? Those are leaves. The lens matters. Discover and unlearn the misrepresentations so they no longer hinder our perspective. This is what this journey is about. In order to see the truth, sometimes we have to remove the things or beliefs that are preventing us from seeing clearly. Matthew 16, I'm almost done. Matthew 16, who do you say that I am? Even in Scripture, even those who met him face to face had some serious unlearning to do. And they spent time with Jesus, the disciples. Even the most educated had to have some unlearning to do. Oops. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Even the most educated had some unlearning to do. And that includes our culture today. The Jewish leaders were so educated. They knew the words but as we've heard today, it's the Spirit that gives revelation. I'm going to show you from Matthew 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's how he referred to himself. And they said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Obviously, they're talking about reincarnation. <laughs> really, because how does that work? And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And here's the best part. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh as in human intellect, human intuition, human education, good books, good podcasts, best TED Talks. None of that revealed this to you, but rather my father who is in heaven. This is where we get our revelation and wake-up call from. You can try and convince anybody you want, shove tracks in their face, hide them in their lunch, do all that weird stuff, point out teachings. All that is useless 
if the Holy Spirit isn't ready to show them and open their eyes. Jesus was the first deconstructionist. <laughs> first century deconstruction looked like this. You have heard it said, that it, but I tell you. And that's the Sermon on the Mount. They had it wrong. But it's scripture. Jesus said they had it wrong. Ouch. That gulp, that raised a whole bunch of other questions. But we'll deal with that another day. <laughs> a more beautiful faith. Let's discover who this God is. Next week, we're going to talk about misconceptions of God. Some of them are quite funny. Um, Kurt Collinger and uh, Alan Hirsch had come up with a really cool list of misconceptions I want to share with you next time. And there'll be some humor in it, but then we're going to spin off to a healthy perspective of who God is. I think you'll enjoy that. So let's wrap up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love that is so much bigger than we can imagine, comprehend, construct in our minds, even daydream about. It's so much bigger. Will you be ever so gentle with us and reveal the riches in us to us for those who can't see it? And I know you'll do it in measured doses that we can handle. Thank you for that. Thank you for confirming it's already there. We just can't always see it all. And may we speak light and truth into one another, not darkness. May we speak the love that we just read about and speak to a hope, not to a topic. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. All right. Reminders, online donations there, or we have a basket over here. Uh, don't forget to register for next Sunday's uh, service. And no Zoom call after church today. Hello to Howard uh, Siemens in Sorrento, BC. And Neil, good morning. Uh, great to see you there. Um, and then Neil has another comment. But yes, this is, this is the joy of having, well, being forced to go online more than we were used to and having others join in and, and learn and grow and be challenged. So thank you, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thumbs up. Okay, good. Because I don't know. Because you might say something you don't want to say. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, Russ, thank you so much for doing music. That was real and simple. Thank you. All right. Go mingle. <laughs> <laughs>